Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Hey, Woodlake family, give the Lord a big round of applause. 25 people saying yes to the Lord. Thank you, because many of you had a hand in that, whether you work in kids' ministry or small group ministry or one of our many outreaches. Isn't God good? That's why we turn the lights on, amen? Hey, if you're new with us here today, my name is Jamie Austin. My wife, Jen, and I pastor this amazing church family, and we are a church family. And I just want to say thank you. You are the first 1130 service. Give yourselves a huge round of applause, okay? And I know some of you, man, you're, you're thinking, finally, we got a service we can finally... Uh, park in, right? Okay, so hey, glad that you are with us today. We are in week four of our series entitled Romans, where we are just sinking our teeth into what some scholars have called uh, the Apostle Paul's one long explanation of, of the gospel. So at this point in time, when he writes Romans, he'd been preaching the word of God for some 25 years. Years and there was some there was some distortion in in his message that he was preaching. So he thought, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to give a detailed account of who God is. And in the process, I mean, the Holy Spirit just gave the Apostle Paul revelation, which we are still uh, we are still living off of today. Anybody thankful for the Word of God? Amen. So so distorted message. You know, the message of Jesus can still get distorted. And I'm not just talking about in in churches and maybe preachers who don't necessarily preach the word of God or teach the word of, uh, uh, word of God correctly, because it, it can get distorted that way. But sometimes the message of Jesus can get distorted even to, to ourselves. We, we think incorrectly. We, we think one thing, but we, we, we behave a different way. Have you ever done that before? Or maybe you know what the Bible says. You know what the preacher says. You know what grandma said. But, but deep down on the inside, it... We're still trying to earn our way into this Jesus thing. Let me say it this way. Uh, Friday night, I went to a high school football game. Anybody like high school football, right? Give our high schoolers a huge round of applause, okay? Amazing. So the game that I went to Friday night was eight-man football. Anybody familiar with eight-man football? Eight-man football has kind of an interesting component to it. There is, in fact, what they call a mercy rule. Cody, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. A mercy rule. That means any team that by halftime gets up by 45 points, the game is over. So in eight-man football, there's a lot of swagger if you, what they call, 45 the other team. Does that make sense? You didn't just beat them, you 45'd them. So you'll notice that if there's a winning team, it's like they drop the hammer down on the throttle. Man, they are going all out for that first half. Why? Because they want to hang 45 points on the opposing team. You say, what does that have to do with us? If we're honest, many of us have walked our Jesus relationship out in a way where we're trying to put points on the scoreboard. As if, if I put enough, enough good points up there, if I come to church enough, if I pray enough, if I read my Bible enough, if I do enough good, I, if, I, if I work real hard, if I put the throttle down, spiritually speaking, then I'm going to be right with God. Now, I know we don't want to admit that, but I've lived that way in my life before. I know that I'm saved. I know that Jesus paid the price, but on the inside, I'm trying to hang enough points on the spiritual scoreboard in order, in order to get there. 
The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, which is where we're going to be today, he brings out, um, most of, uh, some of us, if you were raised in church, the doctrine of justification by faith. The Apostle Paul just begins to unpack the magnitude of the cross of Jesus Christ and how we get in on everything Jesus said. Okay, That's why right off the bat in the book of Romans, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Can somebody say amen? The apostle Paul, who had an incredible, incredible testimony, it was his sole purpose at one point in time to stomp out the name of Jesus and to wipe the church off the face of the earth by any means necessary. I mean, if you want to talk about somebody who had a terrible terrible spiritual background that was the apostle paul and when he came into the saving knowledge of jesus christ he said this i am not ashamed amen and let me tell you why that's important because if you're a believer here today you see the word the world sliding off into you know where and you know what come on in fact if you be honest if you watch the nightly news you see why this jesus thing is starting to make more and more sense can i have an amen Paul goes on to say this, it is the power of God unto salvation. That word power in the original language just means miraculous, supernatural power. There is no greater miracle than the reality that you and I are saved and right with God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that a miracle? I mean, there are testimonies all across this place today, maybe watching online even. You are a miracle if you have said yes to Jesus Christ. And if you're anything like me, you've got enough bad check marks in your life. The fact that I am saved is a miracle. Can anybody identify with your pastor today? So the apostle Paul, he just, he says this in, in, from, from the beginning to the end of this thing. It's all faith. That almost seems too hard to believe. Let me say it this way. It's almost too good to believe, right? It's by faith. It's not by works. It's not by running up a spiritual scoreboard. It is by faith. In the original language, that word faith means complete trust. Uh, it means you can put all your weight in what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let me, let me remind us why that is important. If you are here today and you've ever carried regret, if you've ever carried guilt and shame, if there are moments, even though some of us have been saved for years, that in, in, at nighttime you're laying in bed, have you ever been laying there and just memories of, of your mistakes come flooding back? And you know you're saved. I mean, you know you're saved. But memories, memories can bite, can't they? And the weight piles on. I want you to be encouraged today. If you're a believer here today, you can put the full weight of all our guilt, our shame, our sin, our regret, and put it on the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 5, he unpacks this concept of justification by faith. He, he says it this way, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access, here it is, by faith, say by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit of God who has been given to us? Verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I love what the Apostle Paul says there in verse 2. This grace and now which we stand. Aren't you thankful that we stand in grace today? Uh, and listen, if you're a believer, my goal is you walk out of here shouting today. Can I have an amen? If you're a believer here today, you no longer stand in guilt. You stand in grace. Amen? If you're a believer here today, you no longer stand in shame or sin or regret. You stand in grace today. Anybody thankful for the grace of God? Let me say it this way. In the 1500s, Martin Luther, the German monk and scholar, was wrestling with this justification by faith issue. And he came to the point where he realized that his works, his scholarly pursuit, his ministry would never be enough to make him right with God. And in his journal, he penned these words. Although an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner, troubled in conscience. I had no confidence that merit would assuage him. Therefore, I did not love a just angry God, but rather I hated and murmured against him. Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just will live by faith. Then I grasped the truth. That justice of God is that righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy he justifies us by faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through the open doors into paradise. The whole of scripture took on a new meaning. Whereas the justice of God filled me with hate, now it became merely an in, became to me inexpressibly a sweet and greater love. This passage of Paul became to me a gateway to heaven. Well, let me, let me unpack it this way. If you have ever had the gospel message distorted, and, and especially those of us, this, we're, a, we're a Pentecostal, spirit-filled church. Sometimes even we Pentecostals, we can attach, attach a lot of things to the gospel that if we can't keep up all the rules, then all of a sudden guilt and shame and, and regret and all that begins to weigh us down and what the apostle Paul was wanting to get, all the rules would never get us to heaven to begin with. All the rules would never make us right with God. And some of us have been there before. We've been angry with God. We've been frustrated with God. We've, we've, th this Jesus thing is, has become a burden sometimes. And Paul was saying, no, 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 that's not how it works. And and, and Martin Luther, sinking his teeth into Romans chapter 5, had this revelatory moment. Oh, it's not by works. It is by faith. Well, Jamie, I know it's by faith. No, it's really by faith. How do we stand in grace? 
By faith. How are we right with God? By faith. How are we at peace with God? By faith. How are we a new creation? Listen to me, folks. It is by faith. I know some of you are already saying, Jamie, that's too easy. Anybody thankful for that here today? A few weeks ago, I made this statement. It's like God took the the, the cookies of salvation and he took them off the top shelf and put them on the lower shelf. I needed that, somebody. Now, Jamie, be careful. If, you, if, you, if, if it's too much by faith, then people are going to cast off restraint and live however they want. We'll know the Apostle Paul talks about that later on, and we'll, we'll get into it here in, in the coming weeks. But that's not the case. How many of you know when you, really, when you really realize it is faith in Jesus, that Jesus paid it all, Jesus took care of it, Jesus made us right with God, it makes us want to serve him all the more. All the more. We're reconciled. The relationship has been forever restored. What does it mean to stand in grace? One scholar said it this way. When I stand in grace, I don't have to prove I'm worthy of God's love. Amen? When I stand in grace, God is my friend. Come on, somebody. When I stand in grace, the door of access is permanently open to him. Somebody say, yay, God. When I stand in grace, I am free from the score sheet. The account is settled in Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. When I stand in grace, I spend more time praising God and less time hating myself. Somebody needs to hear that today. The scholar went on to end it this way. When I stand in grace, he doesn't just love us. He likes us because we are in Jesus. Uh, That didn't give you goosebumps, did it? Let me say it this way. How many of us have family members we love because we have to but we don't like them let me say it this way and these are church people so everybody look forward no one nudge your neighbor everybody everybody rest your face because i'm going to make a comment some of you are going to be tempted to go don't do it even in the church we love everybody but there are people we like more than others can i have an amen in Christ. God doesn't just love us. He likes us. You know when you like somebody, you want to spend time with them. Amen? When you like somebody, you desire an intimate relationship with them. Amen? When you like somebody, it, it, it fuels you, if, if you know what I'm saying. And I'm so thankful that in Christ, God doesn't just love me because he has to, but he likes me as well. He likes me as well. And because he likes us in Christ, not just loves us in Christ, he lets us grow up into him. So if you're taking notes today, two things I, wanna, I want you to get. I'm going to move quick today. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans introduces a, 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 a very important theological idea. Not just justification by faith, but he br- begins to bring this description of two atoms. There's Adam in Genesis in creation, the first man, right? And then there's Jesus, the second Adam. Some of you have never heard this. I had people walking out going, I've been in church my whole life. I never heard about this before. In the book of Romans, in the book of Corinthians, the apostle Paul says it outright. There's Adam in Genesis, and then there's Jesus referred to as the second Adam. Why is this important? I'm, I'm going I'm to show you. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you are old enough to remember a show where an individual was introducing his two brothers? And he said, this is my brother Daryl. And what? 
my other brother Daryl. This is a younger crowd because in the last two services, they're like, my other brother Daryl. I'm like, you're old. No. Okay, my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. This is not like that, just in case you're wondering, all right? But Adam 1 and Adam 2. So let's talk about the first Adam, right? So Paul talks about him. But the first Adam caused a sinful separation. This is huge, okay? Verse 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command. Listen to this. As did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Why is this idea important? Paul talks about this sin nature. Have you ever wondered why you just have a propensity to, to do the wrong thing? Anybody else, you, just, you, you can naturally do the wrong thing? In fact, let's just keep it real. We even have a desire to do the wrong thing. Someone cuts me off in traffic on 169. I'm just going to be honest with you. The Shekinah glory of God does not indwell my truck cab. I am possessed by some other spirit, not the Holy Spirit, to exhort that person to not drive that. Anybody can identify with your pastor here today. We have this natural propensity for things. Some of you are here today, maybe you're battling addiction or you, you keep falling back into a temptation or, man, there's just this thing that we struggle with or maybe you have a history in something and you say, man, I wish that wasn't there. Well, it's because we were born into Adam. We have a sin nature. When Adam sinned, sin and death entered the world. That was even before the law. Let me say it this way. When we get to heaven I'm going to be leading a group of people, just so you know, and it's going to be doing this. Where's he at? And we're going to find Adam. Adam's going to be sitting there going, <laughs> my bad, right? Because of Adam, you and I have an appetite for sin. Because of Adam, listen to me, we have sickness. Because of, listen, because of Adam, we have guilt, shame, regret. Because of Adam, we have, we've made mistakes. Because of Adam, our, our flesh wants what it wants. And you see the Apostle Paul, even in, even in his writings, he's wrestling with this, with this sin issue, this flesh issue. That's because of Adam. We were born into Adam. Uh, because of him, in the, in the original language, his sin spread or was imputed or trans, uh, there was a transmission of it all throughout Humanity, sin severed the relationship. In fact, you even see David in Psalm 51. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. David even knew it from the beginning. He was born into sin. There was no escaping sin and death. So if you ever wonder why you have battled sin, you have made mistakes, why we've all had guilt and shame issues, I want to encourage you. You are not that special. We were all born into it. And it's because Adam introduced us to sin. It entered the world. So the first Adam is the reason why we have a sin issue. Here's the final thought, and this is where I want to get you. The second Adam, Jesus, repaired the relationship. Verse 15, but the gift 
is not like the trespass. Now, I'm going to warn you, buckle up. I know this is the third service of the day, but I'm going to preach myself happy. Let me tell you, this week at my, at my, my desk in my office, I pushed back I don't know how many times and just raised my hands in the air and said, thank you, God. The gift is not like the trespass. Come on, somebody. The gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Say justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more? Everybody say more. Say more. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? But the gift is not like the trespass. The gift is not like the trespass. Let let me tell you why this is important. Uh, Here's the distorted message of the gospel. We know we're saved because the Bible says so. We know we're saved because the preacher says so. We know we're saved because grandma kneeled by our bed one time and led us, and we know that we are saved, but we still wrestle with our mistakes. We still wrestle with guilt and shame, and that guilt and shame makes it cyclical. We go right back into acting the way we used to act because we don't feel new. We don't feel justified. I want to remind you what the Apostle Paul is saying here today. That the gift is not like the trust. In fact, he goes on to say later, he says, it can't even be compared. That the grace provided for us in Jesus by faith is more potent than our sin. The earlier crowds got this. You guys are supposed to be awake here today. The grace of Jesus is more powerful than my mistakes. Can anybody say amen here today? Here's the cool part about this. What does this mean? The grace is not like the gift. We know we're saved, but there are people in this room here today because I have been there. We know that one day scripture says we are going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And we know we're saved, but right now you are living life in such a way that you know when it's your turn to stand before the Lord, you're going to stand there like this. You know you're saved, but in the back of your mind, you're hoping, fingers crossed, right? And that's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul is saying this. If you have accepted Jesus by faith, you have been justified. The grace cannot be compared to the trespass. Amen? And you don't just have to wait and stand before God and hope you make it. You can experience that justification, mercy, and grace right now. Right now. What does that mean? Some of us are just hoping we're going to make heaven by the skin of our teeth. That's not how it works. Folks, you can experience heaven on earth. You can walk. You can stand in grace, as the Apostle Paul says. Amen? Amen. This is what's interesting. We couldn't do it on our own. There's not a scoreboard big enough that we can run up 
And some of us have exhausted ourselves spiritually and physically and mentally and emotionally because we're trying to earn God's love and right standing when all we need to do is accept it by faith. Let me say it this way. A couple of weeks ago, I was leaving the house early one morning. We've lived in our house for 14 years. And how many of you, after 14 years, your house needs work? I came out in my sprinkler system. The heads were up about, the system was off. The heads were up about halfway and just kind of spit in water. I had watered the entire street. Something happened. There was, a, there was a malfunction. The system was off. I called my friend Ben McIntyre, who kind of taught me through how to shut the water off. And I, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to fix this thing. And then my wife had a word of knowledge. <laughs> Jen said, no, you're not going to fix this thing. And she's right. That's above my pay grade. I would have just been like tearing things up and not even knowing what I'm looking for. You say, what does it have to do with us here today? Isn't, isn't that how our right standing with God is? If we're not careful, we're trying to fix it ourselves. We're trying to, we're trying to get to God some way, if I can just come to church enough, read my Bible enough, be good enough, not cuss enough, not, not look at this website enough, not do this, not do that. If I give enough, if I, if I do this, if I do that, folks, we couldn't fix our salvation and right standing with God even if we wanted to. But God, through his son Jesus Christ, can I have an amen, made us right with God. And how do we get on that, folks? It is by faith from first to last. Jamie, that's too easy. No, 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 no. It is by faith from first to last. Paul goes on to say this, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Listen to this. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Listen, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Folks, that, that is, those are life-changing words. You ever thought you just totally out God? You ever thought you caught God off guard? Oh, we all have, haven't we? God has never looked at you and scratched his head and thought, where sin increased. Have you ever been in an increasing sinful season in your life? Where sin increased in Christ, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The first Adam, because of Adam, the original sin, we were born into sin. That's why we have struggles. That's why this world has struggles, and they're trying to explain it away. They're trying to justify it. In fact, most of us in this room, if you've watched TV or social media or news outlets, and, and they're trying to grapple with the the decay of morality in our world, one of the things they say all the time now is this, well, people were just born that way. 
even doctors and psychologists are coming. Well, they, they, they were born this way, and they have their reasons why. Hey, listen, let them have it. Okay. You were born that way. In fact, from a spiritual standpoint and a biblical standpoint, I can get there, right? We were all born into sin. But Jesus, in the book of John, was explaining to Nicodemus how somebody can come to the Lord. And Nicodemus was just wrestling with this. And Jesus said, just plainly put, unless they be born again. Is it now clicking? We were born, and the Apostle Paul looked at Adam and Jesus as representatives of all humanity. Adam number one brought sin. Adam number two, Jesus brought righteousness and right standing with God. Folks, I was born into Adam. That's why I sin. But when I was in high school, praise God, I was born again into the second Adam. Hallelujah. And by faith, I accepted what he did for me in Jesus Christ. And I was born again. I was born again. And when I was born again, oh, now I stand in grace. I don't have to run up a scoreboard and, and, and work hard and earn my way into Jesus. I don't have to walk around like Martin Luther, spiritual, but angry and frustrated. I am at peace with God by faith through his grace. Why? Because we were born again. Are you happy to be born again? Oh, I'm so thankful. When I was born again, the sin issued was solved. But Jamie, I still have struggles. Join the club. But Philippians 1.6, Paul says, he who begins a good work in us will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's committed to work on us if we'll let him. Can I have an amen? Where grace abound, or where sin abound, grace abound all the more. Uh, that phrase in the original language, where sin abound, grace abound, or in, where sin increased, grace increased, uh, that phrase, uh, you heard in the original, or, the, or some translations say it says abound, it means it, it super abounds. So where sin abounded, his grace super abounded. That's why Paul said for the gift, can't be compared to the trespass. You can't compare them. Amen? I was, Saturday morning, I was up early. I was studying my notes and had my cup of coffee right there, and I was reading over that. You ever just read scripture and just pause and say, God, thank you. Thank you. I wrote in the margin of my notes here today, I'm going to read it to you, and it's based off that where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Where sin abounded, grace super abounded. What Jesus did for us is far more powerful than what we did to him. What Jesus, lean in. What Jesus did for us is more powerful than what we did to him. Aren't you thankful for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? Let me end it by saying this. In 1910, Julia Johnston penned the words to a hymn that the theology of this hymn was rooted in Romans chapter 5. So the inspiration was Paul's 
justification by faith. She penned these words to this hymn, marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Anybody thankful for that? Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the lamb was spilt. And here it goes. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace. Here it goes. Grace that is greater than all our sin. That's why the trespass can't be compared to the gift. Sir, ma'am, student, your trespass. It doesn't even compare to what Jesus did for us on the cross. Are you thankful for that here today? I want you to be encouraged. Well, Jamie, how do I walk this thing out? And Paul just simply says it. By faith. By faith. Don't try to run up a scoreboard. It is by faith. Can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? I want to pray for us. First, I want to talk to believers here today, church people. Maybe you're here today, something clicked. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, boy, you got it. It's by grace through faith. Maybe you've been carrying a burden. This Jesus thing has been a burden to you. The, the guilt, the shame, the frustration, this running up of a proverbial scoreboard that it just doesn't seem to ever be good enough. And maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you feel the weight has just been lifted. Why? Because you have been reminded through the alive and active word of God, it is by faith we receive all of this. If that's you and you're a believer here today, you say, Jamie, that's me. I needed to be reminded of this today. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray for all of us. You say, Jamie, that's me. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the word today. We as a church family, as we've come together, we not just heard a canned message, but Father, thank you for Romans chapter 5, that through the Holy Spirit you gave to the Apostle Paul to remind us we are justified and reconciled by faith. Thank you, God, that even though sometimes the guilt and the shame rises up, today we are reminded that the gift doesn't compare to the trespass. And Lord, we're thankful for that here today. And where our sin increased, thank you that your grace increased all the more. So Lord, today... We're going to rest. We're going to breathe easy because we stand in grace by faith in what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. In your name we pray. Now, nobody looking around, I want to ask this question. If you're with us today and you just say, Pastor Jamie, listen, I am not where I need to be with the Lord. Maybe you'd be real honest and say, you know what, I've been in church, but I'm out of a relationship with God. I'm just 
I've just never fully surrendered my life to him. Maybe you've been playing a, a religious game or maybe you've just kind of been trying to check the boxes off, trying to run up a score, and maybe today something clicked. You say, you know what, I've never just surrendered my life and accepted by faith what Jesus did for me. Maybe you're here today and, and you have never had a relationship with the Lord. I, I want to tell you something, but if that's you, God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay our penalty once and for all, for all of our sins, all of our mistakes. And the apostle Paul broke it down this way, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're here today, let me ask this question. If you've never just given your life to Jesus, my, my question's real simple. Do you need to be saved today? You say, Jamie, how am I saved? You call by faith on the name of the Lord. So I'm going to ask that question. If that's you here today, you say, Jamie, that's me. I need to say yes to Jesus today. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. You hold it up for just a moment. You can put it right back down. And then we're all going to pray, the entire church family today. You, you don't pray alone here at Woodlake. You say, Jamie, that's me. I need to say yes to what Jesus did for me on the cross. On the count of three, here we go. One, two, three. That's me. Would you raise that hand up? Hold it up real high. We're going to pray here in just a moment. If you're watching online, you let us know. If you're saying yes to the Lord here today, we want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me out loud. And you say, Jamie, why? I'm a guest. Well, just let me be your pastor for about another 60 seconds, okay? We simply call this the prayer of faith. I'm going to lead you into simply saying yes to the Lord by faith here today. Everyone say it. Dear Jesus. Come on, say it. Dear Jesus. You are the Son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we close? As we close here this morning... If you're new with us, our worship team is going to lead us back through just one little brief moment of worship. And this is what I want to challenge you to do. Just pause before you rush out of here and say, Lord, what did I need to hear? I'm going to make a really huge theological statement. Sometimes we just need to marinate in the Word of God. Can I have an amen? I don't know about you, but as I was studying this passage this week and just reminded that it is by faith in Jesus, I, I tell you... It was almost like the Lord was re restoring joy of salvation in my life. Maybe that's you. You need to pause and say, Lord, thank you that it's by faith. Thank you that it's by faith. Uh, I'm going to pray one more time. And when I say amen, if you said yes to the Lord, just so you know, our prayer partners, when I say amen, are going to slip out of their seats and, and kind of slip into their places. If you said yes to the Lord, hey, slip out and just let one of our prayer partners know that you said yes to the Lord today because we want to connect with you. We want to we help you get to baptism and grow in the things of God. We're not going to let you just kind of flounder. We want to connect with you. But also, if you need ministry for anything, our prayer partners are here at the end, uh, during worship and at the end of the service to pray God's word over any need that we have. Aren't you thankful for the word of God here today? Well, God's word says you and I can be healed, that we can have peace, provision, answers, breakthrough. Well, our prayer partners are here ready to pray God's word over any situation that we have. And aren't you thankful? Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and 
active. And we're going to see God do some amazing things. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. And we are still thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that our trespass does not compare to the gift that we received in him. Lord, today we give you glory that we are justified, we are reconciled, and we stand in grace. And all this by faith in our trust in Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, let's worship the Lord. Prayer partners, come on. Would you come this morning and receive ministry? Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.